All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 101 of the DFO Rundown delivered by DoorDash. All your favorites delivered right to your door. It's easy, it's convenient. And if you're like Frank Saravalli, you probably really could have used it as a Philadelphia Frank. You guys just been getting pummeled. Something like almost a foot of snow. How's your shoveling skills? Uh, not very good. And it really depends on where you live. It was crazy. Like some places ended up with 18 inches of snow uh, in southern New Jersey uh, in one fell swoop. So uh, it's been some uh, cold living here for our neck of the woods. And my back is definitely feeling it. 18 inches. That's like a foot and a half. So that much, is that just chaos then in those areas? Like is the city shut down for a pretty much? Yeah. We had a snow emergency. And and in fact, at the flyers game on Saturday afternoon against the Kings, uh, whoever actually made it to the game, they said, no matter where your ticket is, come sit in the lower bowl, uh, free hot dogs and sodas. So uh, those who, who were brave enough to venture out uh, and, and test the roads, they were rewarded at the Flyers game on Saturday. Well, I like that. Free hot dogs and soda. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's pretty um, much the best they could give these fans that have <laughs> dealt with this season for them because they almost yeah, blew it again. They they snapped the winless streak at 13, but they had leads of two nothing and three to one in that game and still managed to get to overtime. What do you make of the coaching addition in Philly? Window dressing. I mean, and no offense to John Torchetti. I mean, they're they have some significant problems there. And, and I think they were a little bit short staffed on the bench anyway, in terms of replacing Michelle Terrian. And um, 
you know, I, I think they're in a spot where, you know, any additional voice or insight will help, but it's not going to change their season. They need a, they need a drastic overhaul. And I'm still a little bit blown away by the comments that Comcast Spectacor president and CEO Dave Scott made in, in backing Chuck Fletcher saying, this is not going to be a two, three or four year rebuild. He said, I'm giving Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers a, a blank check. That's an exact quote, blank check. Like how many people, how many GMs and, and agents around the league began salivating saying blank check? Like, you mean we could offload some of our guys? You mean we could get, you know, potentially squeeze a few extra bucks out? Obviously, Chuck Fletcher isn't isn't thinking about it that way, but I just feel like teams always get themselves in a bit of trouble when they are thinking quick turnaround as opposed to methodical and 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 covering all your bases. Because I, I don't see a quick path forward for the Flyers. What are the chances this was the proverbial kiss of death because how many times has a gm come out and said no no my coach is good and then within two weeks they're gone any chance of that frank i i do think that there i i mean i don't think there's any question that chuck fletcher is on the hot seat he prefaced his vote of confidence by saying quote right now chuck <laughs> fletcher is my guy i mean anytime anyone says that yes. you have to at least take a, a long look i guess my argument would be if Chuck Fletcher is going to be the guy, then allow him to continue to be the guy at the controls well you know, into the summer and into next season. Don't let him get through the trade deadline and then make a change in the summer. I don't yes, think that makes, makes any sense. I agree with you. Yes, wholeheartedly. I've never understood that at all. So, And that, that's uh, why it's so interesting that Chicago and Anaheim are, are likely going to have new GMs in place before the deadline because... This is a really significant, you know, time of change for teams, trade deadline and the draft like that. Those are your two opportunities to remake your team. And that's it for the whole year. So you've got to make hay in those opportunities and windows. The Ducks GM, Frank, like if you look at those two organizations and you look at the youth in Anaheim, like that's a really enticing gig to be the GM in Anaheim. I, I have to think that they've like, obviously, there's only 32 jobs. Every GM job is, is pretty unique. But Anaheim is one where you come in, you've got a legit goaltender in Gibson. You know, you've got some legit defense and they've got some tough decisions to make. No question with Manson and all these other pen and UFAs or Kel and stuff. But man, they've got some really good pieces in Anaheim. And that might be, you know, out of the two jobs, if I had a pick to which one I'd want, you'd want the Anaheim job, wouldn't you? I think it's a top 10 job in the league, given what you'd be starting with, given the people you'd be working for in the Samuelis. By all accounts, like really, really nice people and good people to work for and that they just let you do your job. They're hands off. They don't try and meddle or pry into hockey operations decisions. They they show up and they're fans like honestly couldn't have a better spot. Uh, quality of living is like, honestly, there's not a lot. You know, the pressure isn't exorbitant. If you're, you know, trying to to hold down one of these jobs in the league, it's. I think it's a pretty good one to start with, with the base that they have. And also, um, you know, everything is pretty much spoken for. Like they've got 
head coach in Dallas Aikens, who, uh, you know, certainly should be getting some consideration for the Jack Adams. And, um, I, you know, that youth that's there, the tradable assets that are there, the cap space that's there, it's a pretty, it's a home run. Who do you see as leader? Who are you hearing as leading candidates for the Ducks? Uh, Elliot Friedman mentioned on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday that Pat Verbeek is a strong candidate. Uh, I could see that. He's the only thing that surprised me a little bit is that he's Steve Eiserman's right hand man uh, and has been going back to Tampa. So, you know, he'd be branching out and, and going at it on his own. But Pat Verbeek, uh, in terms of respect around the league, in terms of sheer man hours and hard work and diligence that's put it been put into this point. Um, certainly a well, well qualified candidate. And one of the big things that the ducks are looking for in their search is character, especially after what they went through with Bob Murray. Um, they want to be known as an a plus organization in terms of how they treat people. And, you know, certainly, you know, that's a big part of their search is checking through and, and making sure that their list is, is full of quality people in addition to quality candidates. And uh, the trade deadline is basically uh, six weeks away. And uh, you look at it, there's there's obviously a clear separation in the East, uh, the West. There, there's some uh, some teams that I think like the Dallas Stars, man, Joe Pavelski, at, at his, he's going to get himself a really good contract. But I, when you consider his playoff track record, his experience and his current production right now, if the Stars don't feel they're in, I think a lot of teams like Joe Pavelski, he'd have to be near the top of, of, of your trade bait board when we get into middle of February. Yeah. I mean, he'd certainly be up there. Um, he's been so good. And, and yes. I think it's not just the, the interesting thing is, it's not just this season. Like you, you go back to last year, he was almost a point per game player. And in a shortened year, 56 games still had 25 goals. I know. Um, you know, he really hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of drop off there. And it actually got me wondering, like, so Joe Pavelski, age 37, turns 38 next season. What does that next contract look like? Yeah. Is well, it two want... times six? Is it two? Like you yeah. could make the argument he's at seven now. You could make the argument that he deserves every bit of what he's been making. Oh, yeah. And, the, and, the and it's got to be a multi-year deal, does it not? I would think so. The interesting one for me will be, does Joe Pavelski, who, who's had an unreal career, does he take less to go to a team that he thinks is like a legit top four or five playoff contending team? And if you're going to go to one of those teams, you probably have to take a little bit less. Like, you know, Colorado, you, you, like, would you do one year in Colorado? Cause it's the last year of Nathan McKinnon's deal knowing that, Hey, Colorado's pretty good. Like now maybe they win this year. They got a very good chance of winning, but I just, I wonder about Pavelski. If he looks at his career, he's done everything being to a Stanley cup final, he just hasn't won a Stanley cup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he's made millions and millions. So would 66 he six million? Yeah. Would he potentially look to say, you know what? I don't need to get the most I can get. I want to go where I think I have a, a really good chance. There's no guarantee in the NHL, but a really good chance to win. Makes sense to me. I mean, I just think that he doesn't really need to sacrifice the payday given how well he he's played. Like, I don't think there's going to be a fall off the cliff year next year where a team would have to worry about that. So he's still, he's still going to be making good money is the point. 
Another topic we're going to dig into a little bit more on uh, on the Daily Faceoff show, Frank. Of course, we're we're officially at the the midway point of the season, or unofficially. Mm-hmm. I know some teams have played more than yeah, we passed but, it in terms of number of games. Yeah, so the the midway rankings when it comes to a, a heart trophy. If I had to tell, like right now, this might be the most competitive, wide open race for a heart trophy that I can think of in a long time. I can't see one clear, obvious winner at the halfway point. Do you not even close? And we, we just went through this exact exercise and, and you participated as well. You can, you can check out our ballots on dailyfaceoff.com. We went through all the major awards, Hart Norris, Calder, Vezina, GM of the year, Jack Adams, and also a, a little fun wrinkle was, was the comeback player of the year. And I had the hardest time with my heart trophy ballot, just picking the top three. Usually we do the top five, but it, it's difficult this year. Like I could make a case for so many, you know, compelling candidates. I ended up going with Nazem Kadri at number one. I just think he's been so incredibly consistent for Colorado this year. Um, in addition to being right up there with the, the points leaders, I had Jonathan Huberto at number two and Kirill Kaprizov at number three. But I, I think you could make a case for... I'm saying I'm going to say five other guys at least. Yeah. Well, I had I had Ovi at number one on mine. Okay, so yeah. so give me your top three. Well, I, I had Ovi at number one. Funny enough, uh, same as you. I had uh, I had Huberdo at number two. Then because because to me this is based on midway rankings, and I don't want to base it on reputation because if you base it on reputation, lots of people would say, well, McDavid and Drysaddle, and you know maybe I mean, there's some- I definitely wouldn't be giving it to Nazem Kadri if that's what we were yeah. doing. It's solely yeah. based on who has been the best, most valuable player to his team at the midway point, based on what we know right now, not projecting what, what's happening in the future, just what's happened to this point. My third Frank was was um, was probably a little bit out there. Okay, I went with Chris Kreider. Okay, and and I know people are going to look. Well, he's, obviously, he's got the goal totals. But the thing was, a lot of these guys, like I looked at Colorado, and I'm like, well, yeah, I could really go with Nazem Kadri. But man, I really like. Um, I also like uh, Kale McCarr. Now he's you know Kale McCarr is easy top three in the Norris. There's no debate. I don't. I think everybody. But the had defense would have their own award. Yeah, exactly. And so. But you but don't. You could make that same like what you said about the the Avs. You could say that about Kreider and the Rangers. You're like, yes. well, the best player Shesterkin. on the Rangers is Panarin or or Shesterkin. Yeah. You could say you could like, and in Edmonton, you got McDavid and Drysidle. So yeah, that's what made it difficult for me. Um, Huberdeau and Ovechkin. I just felt like those two guys. When I looked and I compared to the next players on their team so far this season. That's what I had them as one and two for me. They're just a little bit above everybody. They don't necessarily have, and they have really good supporting staff, but they're standing above the rest. That's why I had them one, two. So here's why I didn't vote for Ovechkin. And it's not to take anything away from a season because he's added a dimension to his game that didn't previously exist with the playmaking capability and and the assists that he's piled up. It's the inconsistency for me. And the, the caps have actually really struggled for a significant chunk now. And Ovechkin went really quiet for a long time. He's, he had a, an unbelievable first quarter and the second quarter just wasn't nearly as good. And as a result, his team has struggled in addition. I mean, they are obviously in a clear and safe playoff spot 
with their 633 points percentage. But really since U.S. Thanksgiving, they've been a very marginal, very average team. So that's why I, I struggled with, with Ovechkin. But like, we didn't even mention some of the other guys you could make a case for. Johnny Gaudreau. Joe, yeah. Steven Stamkos. Um, I mean, there's lots of guys that Brad Marchand, I think, could be in that conversation. Well, you look, would anybody be surprised that Big David or Drysaddle put him in the conversation by the end of the year? Like, but you look at Drysaddle. That's not the exercise. No, 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 I know. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what yeah. makes this so hard at the halfway because people freak out at the halfway point. He said, that's how close it is. Some guys who easily won't be on my top three ballot could easily be top three on my ballot by the end of the season. That's what's crazy about it. Yeah. I, I wonder, by the way, and, and speaking of the Avs, um, Obviously, they feature pretty prominently across a lot of these mm-hmm. awards. I have Makar in the number one spot for the Norris. I, I had Jared Bednar as as my Jack Adams winner at the midway point. And I think you look at how that team struggled to start with all the expectations that they had. Like it's it's hard to fathom now with the 19, I think, straight wins on home ice. Yeah that there were like people calling for his head in the first couple of weeks of the season saying this guy, you know, he's on the hot seat. Should he be fired? And yeah. he got an extension and everything calmed down. Like he, he found a way with this team to, to get them back on track. And part of it was just guys out of the lineup and, and injuries. And, and that's the thing when I, I think this is Nathan McKinnon's third separate stint out of the lineup and he's going to miss the all-star game. They revealed uh, he underwent surgery for a facial fracture, just an unfortunate play uh, for Nathan McKinnon. But that kind of, to me, upped Nazem Kadri's case for the heart. And that's kind of how I got there was yes, they've had a fantastic year from Miko Ranton and yes, um, Gabriel Landeskog has been really good and, and Kale McCarr has been excellent, but Kadri has been the guy that's shown up every night. And I don't know. I just thought with the way that he's played, you know, tied for third in points with Ovechkin, with McDavid, uh, he just deserved a little extra recognition. No, he was good. Um, it, it's hard. The, the thing that I had uh, Ovechkin, I know people will say, well, you had Ovechkin, but then you had Kreider third. But uh, Ovi's five on five play without Backstrom really impressed me uh, this year. And, and I loved it. Like, I would I would agree with you. The Hart Trophy definitely had the most candidates where I was like, well, geez, I could have this guy in. You know, I could have had Kaprizov. I could have had Gaudreau. Um, you know, you where are the wild the, without Kaprizov? Yeah, like Drysaddle second in the league in scoring, right? And he's right up there in goals. But, you know, Edmonton had a bad six-week stretch, so that's hurt them for now. But, you know, to me, the season-long award, it, it might come down to, you know, which guy really elevates down the stretch. And um, the, I, the the one team I couldn't overlook, though, I went with Sullivan as my head coach. I just – the Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. – um, you know, they, they had Malkin the out for a long time. Crosby was out. He came back from injuries and all they do is win. Like it's been amazing. Like, look at the gap they made up on those teams. Uh, it looked like it was a three horse race for a while in the, in their division. And now the penguins are right up there. I, I love what Sullivan's done, but, uh, I had Bedner as one of my top three as well, but I had Sullivan number one. Yeah. I had, uh, Tristan Jari as third on my Vezina. And it's fun to look at the goalies because in the, Professional Hockey Writers Association, we don't vote for the Vezina. So no. um, I always like taking a look at, at the goalies at the midway point. 
Tristan Jari, you know, especially with the question marks entering this year, uh, for him to bounce back and, and play as well as he has. And that kind of is a natural segue to our, this is another really interesting award that you could go a million different ways on, which is the comeback player of the year. Who's the with? guy? It's not just someone that has overcome significant injury or illness. It's also someone that's bounced back after a subpar stretch of play. Yeah. Uh, that's how that was the criteria for voting. And I had Sergei Bobrovsky, number one. Uh, he's, you know, with that $10 million cap hit, I think, you know, if you're the Panthers, obviously it was a difficult conversation to even think about having, but with Spencer Knight stepping in and playing in the playoffs last year, you're thinking there's no chance that Sergei Bobrovsky is going to reclaim the crease, let alone play as well as he had. And a, a fellow Russian was right behind him for me in Vladimir Tarasenko you know, the, the injuries, the botched shoulder surgeries, the trade requests to come back and, and, and reestablish himself as, as one of the legitimate snipers in the league. Matt Duchesne has been really good. Uh, Tony D'Angelo has very quietly had a, a good yes. season. And, and I think emphasis on very quietly, like you haven't heard boo from him, no tweets, no Instagram posts, no ruffling of feathers, nothing. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov has been like, there's so many different ways you could go. You could, you could even make a case for Kadri as comeback player of the year. Hey, don't overlook Timo Meyer in San Jose. Yeah. Like Timo Meyer had 31 points last year. He had 12 goals and uh, he's already got 47 points. So he was, uh, he was in my top three. Yeah. There, there's lots of guys who have bounced back. Matt Duchesne, I had in my top three as well. Like Duchesne's a, you know, he's bounced back, but Nashville, their second half though, last year, like I, I said it, this one regret I have at the start of the season was I overlooked how good Nashville was for basically the second half of last year. They were excellent. And uh, John Hines I, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, like he could, he should have or could have been on my my Jack Adams list. Like he's that. You know what's the difference with Nashville this year is they're so hard to play against. They they're dogged competitors. Yeah. Well, look at look at their third line, man. They've got the most unheralded. No one talks about him, but look how effective the rookie Tanner Janot has been. He's got 13 goals. He's second in fights. He's top five in hits. He kills penalties. Like. And he scores all his goals five on five, basically like this guy to be a third line player. Like he's given you literally at five on five, top five production. It's he's been amazing. Him and Trennan are bookends and they just wear the hell out of you. I'm not certain that Tanner Janot won't be a finalist for the Calder when it's all said and done. I had a really hard time leaving him off my top three. Um, I went with Zegers one uh, he's up there in point totals and the, the, the way that he scored and produced points this year has just been off the charts, the manner, the style, the character, uh, it's cider number two, the minutes he's playing on the back end, in addition to the points that he's putting up. And then I went with Anton Lundell because of the defensive workload and assignments that he's Ooh. picked up for Florida. In addition to the points, like he's, he's looking like a special, special player, but I really wanted to give Janot that third spot just based on the goals, based on the even strength, the size, the, the story too. Like I love a guy that's worked his way up from the ECHL. 
Oh, well, you think about where he was last year. He started in the ECHL for a few games. Then he went to the AHL and he had 21 points in, uh, in 13 AHL games. And then he gets called up and he has five goals in the final 15 games of the season for the Preds. Like he's already got 18 goals, Frank, and he, in, in basically his first 60 NHL games. Like that's huge production. Huge production. And like, that's like, who gets the credit in that case? Like well, I, I, honestly, I'll tell you, Frank, I know, as you know, from Moose Jaw when he was and I saw him in Moose Jaw as a rookie when he scored in his draft year. He was a rookie in the WHL. He scored one goal and Tanner's, you know, and, and we're going to get him on the pod. he will be the first to tell you that just his skills at that point at 17 were, inc- were were not very good. He worked so hard every year to improve as a 20 year old. He was a 40, 40 man, 40 goals, 40 assists. But the thing about, you know, is like. That guy gets a ton of credit, I think, for his work ethic. But you got to give, you know, I'll give Tim Hunter, his coach uh, in, in junior, some credit. He really worked with him to improve just his skill set to be a guy who wasn't just big and physical. He's strong. He'll fight anybody like he's tough. You saw him dismantle Logan Stanley uh, the other day. But I, I, seeing his just work ethic to improve, I, I ran into David Poyle in Edmonton and kind of asked him about Janot. And, and you know what, David, to his credit, was just like, yeah, like, you know, we'd be lying if we said we saw this coming, except he said the one thing we liked about Janot was he progressed every year in junior and just worked hard on all the small details of his game. So he gets a lot of credit, so, I think. So Janot gets the bulk of the credit, but like, you still need to have a team take a chance and give you yes. a contract is one. 100%. And then yeah. the other part is like the Preds development staff. You don't just get from ECHL to NHL by snapping your fingers. Like there's a process that, that unfolds that clearly there was a lot of work put in with him directly as well. Yeah, no, he's he's a great story. And I think I, I know he plays in Nashville, but they're a good team and maybe he gets overlooked. But he, he he's just a fun story to watch. And you, you look at if, if he continues to progress like that, like he could be a power forward because he's so big and strong. Mm-hmm. He'll fight. He can score goals. He's not just, you know, back when you had big guys who fought because he's second in the NHL. I know there's not a lot of fights now, but he's got eight fights. That's a lot by today's standard. But he's also got 13 goals and he kills penalties. Like right. he's doing everything for you. It's it's John Hines has got to be like loving this guy and, and what he can do. And, and to, to trust a rookie, Frank, to be one of your top four penalty killers, that just doesn't happen very often. No, but you caught my attention on our last pod because you said you thought that the Preds were a candidate in your eyes to really go the other direction a bit in the second half to be not the team that they were in the second half last year. Do you see them falling out of a playoff spot? I don't see them falling out of a playoff spot, but I, I, I see them falling down the standings. Like they, if you look at their, their, they got a really high shooting percentage collectively as a team. And usually that sort of thing evens out over time, right? Because when you look at their team, I just, can you, can you have an 11 and a half shooting percentage? Like that's just hard to maintain. So I think the Preds What's are still the a usual playoff team. average, like nine or yeah, nine, you know, it, now it can vary like, and I'm talking overall, but yeah, usually like that's just a little bit high. Right. But the wild card is UC Soros. And the other thing, Frank, is can they continue to play him as often as they do? It's right? rare to he's see a, it. Yeah, like he's only he he's only not started eight of their games. Or maybe it's nine. Maybe it's nine now, but still, either way, it's it's a ridiculous amount. And I just wonder if they're gonna have to dial him back a little bit in the second half, and that might cost him a few wins. I think they're a playoff team for sure. But they might, it might cost them home ice advantage. Okay. Plus, they're also in a tough division. So, speaking of sliding in the standings, on a one to 10 scale, what is your level of panic 
for the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, it'd be a 10 right now, Frank. I look at, first of all, Minnesota, Nashville, Colorado, St. Louis. I think they're all good. I don't see any of them sliding out of the playoffs. The Jets, they got to play way better. And now Edmonton's found their game. They added Kane. I think they're going to be way better. Uh, Calgary had a little bit of a dip. I think they're coming back. LA's a competitive team. So the, Anaheim, they're going to have to beat out some of those teams. to two of, Well, two of those teams for sure to get into the postseason. I just, I don't see how they're going to do it. I Their defense hasn't been as good this year. Injury like Blake Wheeler's not the same since he's come back. The Jets have a hard schedule in the second half in that division. So I would say right now, if I was a Jets fan, my concern would be 10 because they're projected, I think, Frank, um, like what, mid 80s right now to get points? Yeah, something like 83, 84. Like they're going to need at least 94 to get in. Um, They got a lot of work to do. And I, I just... They, they haven't had any of the consistency to really do it. They've been all over the map. And, you know, there's been so many interesting comments. Um, Blake Wheeler saying that this is the most adversity he's dealt with in the 14 years that he's played in the NHL. Like he played in Atlanta. <laughs> I, I mean, that, I, I guess that goes to show you or, or tells you what it's been like for the jets. Um, Paul Maurice stepping down is a big one, but, he kind of trotted out a narrative Blake Wheeler did the other day that I just, I didn't get or understand. He said, we, we have a really young hockey team. And I was like, what? And I, I guess I could see if you want to talk about the role that Cole Perfetti is playing or, or, or maybe the fourth line and the different rookies that have been through there this year, but that's not a young core. That's a, no. that's a core that's been there for a long time. Wheeler, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Cop. Uh, on the Dashney. back end, Morrissey, Stastny, uh, you know, um, Hellebuck. Brent, Brendan Dillon, Hellebuck, Nate Schmidt. Like these guys have been around for a long time. Yeah. No, and I, I know that. that there were a lot of changes, you know, sort of in the last year, especially on the back end. But I picked this team to win the Stanley Cup because I, I really liked the core that they had assembled. They had been there and, and experienced and tasted some success. And this was supposed to be the year that they would take another step forward. And for them to not make the playoffs would be a colossal failure, oh, not only a colossal failure, but my question to you would be, what do you do if you're Kevin Shovel day off? Well, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll probably get a, a new coach, right? That, that would be the easiest, obvious answer. I think Dave Lowry's up more on an interim basis right now. So that would be the easy one to say, hey, we got to just go in a different direction. Somebody outside the organization. You start there. I, I think he might move one of his wingers to augment his defense score, right? Because the advantage they have, Frank, is they've got Connor Hellebuck. And, and even Hellebuck's he's numbers. Been av- he's been average. Yeah, that's exactly like average for him. This year, it's showing that if Hellebuck's not standing on his head, their defense core can be exposed a bit. And, and that's, I think, what we're seeing this year. Whereas last year, Hellebuck, like, you know, even when they beat Edmonton in the playoffs, Hellebuck, like you can look at all the numbers, you know, what's the term they say? Goalied? Well, maybe, you know, he was unreal. He kind of won them that series. And this year, he hasn't been able to carry them and save them as often as he was the last few years. So I think that plays a part in it too. So if, if you're if you're them, you're like, do we have to major panic? Probably not, because we've got a really good goalie. Let's just improve a few pieces in front of him. Yeah, but they've also got Stasny as a pending UFA and Cop as a pending UFA. Like, think back to the last number of years. Like, when the Jets didn't have it a few years ago, they 
like Kevin Sheffield-Dayoff pulled the plug, did he not? Yeah. Well, I think he'll trade. I think he's trading Stashney for sure. You look at his age, I think there's a good chance he'll be moved. Cop is the interesting one for me. They really like him, but he's a guy who's poised to get a big raise and, and the Jets Huge don't raise. necessarily have yeah. boat boatload of cap space. Nope. Uh, it, it's... Man, it's it's an interesting, interesting team. Like, I don't know where you go or what you do. Yeah, well, there's no... I think he's going to have to accept maybe by the time we get to the trade deadline, it'll probably be a little bit more clear for them. And it might allow them to move it off because Andrew Cobb, Frank, we probably, that's the guy we should talk about more. I think he's a player. If he's available, th- there would be lots of interest in. Yeah. He's but I, really I wonder player. like, so then, okay. So then you're the jets. You move cop. Mm-hmm. How do you replace him? Well, I think they hope that Cole Perfetti with more experience becomes a guy who can produce. Yeah, well, I think the only thing for the the Jets is they've got a few more weeks of runway, and that's it. Like they've got a little bit of time to make a statement here, three four weeks before those conversations really kick into high gear. And you hear Pierre Luc Dubois say after the game in St. Louis that he really felt like they had won for the first time in a while the right way, and you know he thought that that might be a big turning point. They they're in Philly to close things out before the break. Let's see where the Jets are on the other side. Yeah, well, that's we talked. We started with Philly today, Frank. And obviously, if you look, hey, if there's a team that you should be able to beat the way they're playing right now, it would be the uh, the Flyers. But look at look at their uh, when they come back. They got Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville, Minnesota, Edmonton, Calgary, Dallas, Colorado in the month of February. Now they also have a game against Seattle and Arizona mixed in there. And Chicago. So is that is you're saying like kind of by the end of February you'll be able to call it one way or the other. Yeah, I think 100% because you look at at their their tough schedule. What they got uh, 10 games, 7 of them are against really good teams in February. So they're going to have to win some big games. If they do, then maybe they got a chance. But uh, if not, it uh it could be it the could be an easy is not decision. in their favor. Yeah, it could be an easy decision for for Shovel Day off. Um, a few other quick ones I want to uh, I want to get to Frank some just kind of um, notes around the league. The taxi squad is scheduled to end on Wednesday night after the uh, the game, and then you have the break for the All Star, and uh, no plans for it to come back. So um, you know I've talked to some teams they're like, well, it's nice to have options. Some coaches are like, no, I don't like it because there's too many healthy scratches, and then you're trying to manage guys being happy because you know if you're in the minors, that's one thing. You're kind of out of sight, out of mind, but at least you're playing. This way you've got guys on the taxi squad that are sitting around the team like last year and they're not playing and they can get a little grumpy and I get it. So that's not coming back unless there's some like massive um, outbreak. But considering how many players considering the changes that that the NHL is making to the protocol, I don't think you're going to need it. Look look at the NFL. Um, You know, we we're now down to to championship Sunday, Super Bowls, all that's left. And they're not even testing anymore. Like they're not testing period. Like they're not even testing for symptomatic players. You have to volunteer yourself and tell them that you have symptoms in order to get a test. Hmm. That's, that's where we've reached with the NFL. And, and it's, it's not a coincidence to me that on the back end of the all-star break, not only do the numbers make sense for the NHL in terms of the number of players that have had COVID-19 this season, north of 75% and, and north of 60%, uh, since December 11th, it's also like we, we rejigged the schedule and now we need to get it done. 
And the other part is we need to have a playoffs that have integrity. So you can't have eight guys on one team that test positive that are asymptomatic that can't play. Yeah. Uh, you can't contest the playoff series that way. So these changes kind of come in at the perfect time of, Hey, this is how it's going to be for the next while. Everyone get used to it. And this is how it's going to be for the playoffs. So, you know, the NHL gets rid of asymptomatic testing, by the way, if you missed it and did not see Dallas Aikens Instagram of the Anaheim ducks, uh, some hilarious videos and, and, and photos. He of course has been out with COVID-19 tested positive, missed the ducks entire road trip. They went to Eastern Canada and, and he, he couldn't cross the border, even though he was healthy and would have been cleared in the U S and he, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but he would post like, Oh, like, uh, blew my nose this morning and got rid of COVID. And now I just completed a 20 mile bike ride in the mountains. Like it was like, it was unbelievable. Hey, I just went on an eight mile hike and here's a video of my hike. Like it was like, this is what an asymptomatic coach is doing, uh, to pass time while he's not with his team, which is 2,500 miles away. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I think it's time that there's, there's definitely gotta be a little bit of a, a readjustment in, in overall people's view of this. I, I think it's hard for anybody to doubt that the, the vaccines have done their job for what it's like, but now you have to accept that it's going to be around. I think the pro leagues are doing that. And I wonder if, if you see more of it because you can't, you can't live in fear. You have to make educated decisions based on actual data and move forward from it. And I, I hope we see that more in, in, you know, in every walk of life, to be honest, I, I would like to see that, I think. And that's um, not me making light of it, by the way. No. Like I, we've talked the last couple of pods when I had COVID two yeah. weeks ago that, you know, I was down and out and it was, you know, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, and I, there were moments where I was nervous when I had shortness of breath and, and all those things. So I'm not making light of it. I also and think you were other, vaccinated and I was vaccinated. I think the yeah. other part of it is that, People need to begin to make their own choices. You know, you look at at Canada and and fans not being able to attend games. Like, look at the games being played uh, in the U.S. Like, there there doesn't seem to be mass outbreaks linked to games. Like, there there there's been no proof of that. If a fan wants to buy a ticket and wear a mask and go to the game, then they should be able to do so. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm with you. I know that you know Alberta's got at least fifty percent, but man, you look at Ontario and Quebec, and that's really going to impact the bottom line for a lot of teams. And then obviously, how's it impacting the Jets? We just talked about the Jets. Like they've played how many home games now without any fans in the building? Has it impacted their season? I think valid. Like it, it is. I think last year when everybody got used to it, you don't like it, but you're used to it. Then you go back to having fans. And you're like, wow, this is great again. Now I know how awesome it is. And then you go home games and there are certain times in a game where the fans can really inject some emotion to a team. I don't think there's any debate on that. Sometimes, you know, fans are smart enough. They say, hey, our team needs a boost. Here's a big hit. Now they're going crazy or whatever. You don't have that. And I think when you're you're pushing the boulder uphill, like you're a team like the Jets that are teetering on the brink, Frank, I think it can make a difference. No question. And I think there's a huge emotional loss that the teams who don't have fans right now in, in Winnipeg and uh, in Montreal and Toronto and Ottawa, I think that's a big disadvantage for them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's definitely a hit to the bottom line. We know that um, oh, it obviously yeah. hasn't affected some teams as much as others. Like I think Toronto has kind of been cruising along, but 
it's really odd for these teams. Like they also are doing this only at home. It's got to feel like, especially for those players that are traveling, you know, uh, you're playing for the Leafs, you play a home game in front of an empty building and then you go on the road and you play in front of a full building somewhere else, like two different worlds. Yeah, you're probably jacked up more on the road games. You're like, hey, it, maybe it takes away the home advantage from the teams because suddenly the, the Leafs are like, because I've always talked to players and like when the building's loud and even though it's not cheering for you, you still get an emotional lift for it. I just can't believe that we're another six weeks away, at least from getting that back again. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's the hard part to stomach. I think, I think there definitely has to be some conversations to, to look and say, okay, what are, you know, couldn't we can make projections on stuff. Guys come back from injuries early. You know, is, is there, is there data that suggests maybe this is something they can come back from early? I'm not smart enough. I haven't looked at all the data, but people who do uh, might want to look at that. Uh, Tyler Remchuk is uh, traveling home uh, today. Uh, he was out at the uh, outdoor uh, tournament out at uh, Jasper with the uh, the fellas. Sad from, I couldn't make it there. Yeah, I was supposed to go. I was off. supposed to to make the uh, the team Oilers Nation debut. The the La Bamba sweater, and I just I tested positive for COVID and couldn't cross the border. Well, yeah, but you got to shovel, Frank, and you got to teach your kids how to ski. Oof, that's an adventure. Any parent that that is that has to do that or tries to do it, uh, like full marks, because it is a sweaty, nerve wracking adventure. With now, a five, now, honest, five and honest question: Is there an option of ski lessons? Like, could you not have just saved your sanity and put them in ski lessons? You could, but like, have you ever watched someone try and teach ski lessons? Yeah, my son went to it. We we have the junior um, ski team at Rabbit Hill. It was awesome. He loved it. But I, I feel like that's a little different where you are versus where I am. I don't okay. like, I don't know that we're dealing with the best ski instructors. Uh, okay. Fair enough. You know, yeah, like they're with our Frank, bunny was, hills here. Oh no, no, they're unreal at that, at the rabbit hill where, where he went to, to learn how to ski. And then now when we go to the mountains, like to Jasper or Banff, usually the first half morning we have him cause he's only eight. So as a refresher lesson, he gets a lesson all morning. And it's one-on-one. Sometimes there's two kids in a group and he goes, cause he knows how to ski somewhat now. Pretty good. He can go on most of the runs actually with us. Like we went to the knob last year at the top of the mountain and he came now there's some, you know, green, uh, green dot, like easier Hills, but he went all the way from the top down. What he do you normally ski? What's your, like, are you good? No, I'm wow. Are you I like get, a black was, diamond guy or no? I can go black diamond, Frank, but I'll be honest. I didn't ski for 20 years and my wife was a skier. And so the first time, and I told her, I said, Hey, I can get down the hill. You don't want to ever show a video of how to ski with me. I can get down the hill. You're not getting style points. You're saying, yeah, she was expecting me to be terrible. She's like, you're actually pretty good. Um, so skiing to me, we skied a lot when I was younger. So, but that I did the last time I, I went with my family, um, I left them and I said, I'm going to take a different path. And I went on a double black diamond, which I hadn't done. Dude, I'll admit as I was going down, like my legs were burning and were there was a few times where I'm like, no? Oh my God, I'm going to wipe out here. And this is going to be life over. So I didn't go on a double diamond run after that. The rest of the day, I just, I can do the black diamond. No problem. But double black, I can't do. No, I'm a. I'm a blue square green. Yeah, I like the blue like, squares. Hey, you know, fast. You know, there's feel nothing like wrong with that. I don't, racing. I don't need to go fast. Honestly, at this point, And as I was going to say, as fat as I am, I don't need anything like out of control. Just, just nice and easy all the way down. 
See, the hardest part I have is my son now is a pretty good skier, but he wants me to follow him. And so he goes through the trees. Well, his skis are like the half the distance of mine. So he's cutting around trees and that's where I'm more nervous. That's the hardest part. I actually like growing up playing hockey. I'd, I'd prefer really, really short skis. Oh, if they could support me to get down the mountain. Yeah. So what uh, do they call those? Like the snow skis or whatever it's called. Like those are awesome. Yeah. So the longer, so, cause you know, I don't know what I'm running now, like a one ninety or something, but he's got like a one ten or one twenty Cause he's only eight. And so he's like, dad, follow me. Yeah, sure. And all of a sudden we get in the trees and I'm like, like, I literally almost hit two trees. And I was like, you hit your ski on a tree, dude. Like no my, yeah, my groins sun, are tight enough as it is. That'll, that'll not be uh, I would be, I would be out for a long time. So uh, I am looking forward though. We have a ski trip plan. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Cause we it's don't even, you can't even call what we have here skiing out East. Like it, oh, it's okay. like, it's ice and it's like you're down the mountain in, in three and a half minutes and you wait longer for your ride back up. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. Well, Frank, you know what? You got to fly the family out. We'll fly out family next week and next winter. And guess what? Your kids will go in the lessons all morning and you don't have to worry about anything. And then in the afternoon you ski with them because now they've learned how to ski. It's the greatest thing. Everybody who goes to the mountains with kids, you should have them with the ski instructors in the morning. It's better for both of you. They get better and you get to ski. Sounds good. I just feel like in some ways that might be, I don't know. My, I could see my wife being like, that's bad parenting. No, leaving, leaving your kids to in a, with a ski instructor while you go and enjoy yourself. Well, Hey, I don't think it's bad. I think that's good parenting. All I can tell you is I was just buckled oh. trying to get everyone going. Cause just, honestly, even get, just even getting them to the Hill, a five and a seven year old, like we had just gotten the skis on and my daughter's crying. I hate skiing. Like <laughs> it's, it is, it's an adventure. I'm telling you, man. Oh dude. I love it, man. Oh, adventures. Well, you got to teach them sometimes. Like, the, Cause everybody now who has kids older than you, Frank is listening to this and laughing because they remember what it's like. And they're like, I'm so happy. I don't have to do that. But it's once you get through it, it's always funnier to watch someone else. Cause I can see here's Frank Saravalli. He's coming down the hill. He's got his five-year-old daughter in one arm. She's crying. His seven-year-old son's throwing his poles. He's wiped out. He's pissed. And you're trying to figure out both of them. Oh my God. I'm and just And then I have my wife with me that's never skied before in her life. Even better. So now we, we you're trying to, the to top of this funny hill. She's never been on a lift before. My daughter's never been on a lift before. I'm just oh. trying to make sure everyone gets off the lift and doesn't die. And then we're at the top trying to get down and everyone's like, I hate this. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, why did I even come here? How do you keep cool though? Like, do you keep calm or do you snap? No, I, I actually like, because everyone is panicking around me, I'm just like, okay. It's the only way you can be is to try and calm everyone down. Did you crush like five beers though? When you got home? <laughs> uh, no, I wish <laughs> I've, I've actually gone alcohol free since COVID. So oh. I, uh, it's been a dry, a very dry January for me trying to make sure that I don't, uh, buckle Atta my boy. Body, so good for you. Well, uh, we look forward to the next time you can have a beverage. Yeah, me too. <laughs> At the draft. Maybe we'll be there in Montreal. <laughs> Definitely have to have one there. Perfect. Okay, Frankie, uh, good to talk to you. Tyler Remchuk uh, will be back. Of course, that was episode 101 of the DFO Rundown. Gregor and Sarah Valley brought to you by DoorDash. Get it delivered. Did you have struggles, Frank? Could you even get DoorDash when you guys got it a foot It snowed snow? so much. The waits were so long to get uh, a dasher out here. Uh, I guess business was good for DoorDash. 
<laughs> awesome. Uh, we'll keep ordering from him. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody on Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.